Hello, friends and travelers. Thanks for listening. You are riding along on the Hostel Road Trip Podcast. Our mission is to spread awareness of the true hostel experience in the Americas and share stories from the fascinating hosts who create those unique facilities. I'm your host, Jimmy Black, joined alongside co-founder of International Traveler's House, Bobby Dyer, and Eric Faria, co-founder of World Packers. Each session, we sit down with hostel operators or travel influencers to hear about their road success, discuss trending hostel topics, and close with tips for travelers who are seeking to have the ultimate experience when visiting each destination. You can't afford to miss this trip. Now fasten your seatbelts and let's hit the road. Hello, friends and listeners, and welcome back to Hostel Road Trip Podcast. My name is James Black, and I am here alongside my business partner, Bobby Dyer, Eric Faria from World Packers, and the lovely Serena, the founder of the Notch Hostel in North Woodstock, New Hampshire. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. All right. Well, we are at a blistering pace through the New England states. We've already recorded an episode at the... D. Acres Organic Farm and Hostel, and now we have trekked our way over here to the North Woodstock area, which is uh, an area that's known for thru-hikers, but that's not all it has to offer. And as we dive into the episode here, Serena is going to enlighten us about all this area and facility has to offer. So, but to start, Serena, tell us a bit about yourself. How did you get into hosteling? Was it as a backpacker or as a worker first? Tell us about your story. Well, I've been coming up to the White Mountains to hike and backpack for several years. Um, I actually was in the middle of a trip to, I had just finished climbing Mount Rainier in Washington State, and I was during the trip, I was reading this book called AWOL on the Appalachian Trail, oh, okay. which is all about, was written by the person who now has produced the guide for the AT, and it talked about his his through hike and all of the hostels he had stayed at along the way, and as I was reading it, I realized that there was no hostel listed in Lincoln or North Woodstock, which is a major trail destination and just a major tourist destination in general. So it was about the time we were headed to the airport that I thought, how do I find a way to not return to my cubicle in Boston Uh, (laughs) when I get back? Escape the cubicle, (laughs) as we all did. Yeah. So it kind of just was like an epiphany that I had in the middle of the airport, and I just thought, oh my gosh, let's open a hostel in North Woodstock or Lincoln area and in the White Mountains. And uh, my husband and I, actually it was just my boyfriend at the time, we went on Zillow.com in the airport, and we found this property that is now the Notch Hostel. So literally, like, bang, 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 this was the place. Less than five minutes after I had the idea, we were on Zillow and found the property. That's such a rare story. As a person who's done some property searching for hostels, it's such a uh, demoralizing feeling when you find the perfect place and it doesn't have the right zoning or the right this. Exactly. So to have it all work out like it, that's almost kismet. That's fantastic. And it's great to hear that you escaped that cubicle, as we all have as well. 
you wouldn't know from listening, but uh, you would laugh if you viewed to know that Bobby was formerly at Morgan Stanley and formerly <laughs> worked at KPMG. And I used to work at a law firm. Oh, well. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> here we are. Yeah, so here we are now, just yeah. talking about hosteling. Yeah. So I, I think it's great that a lot of hostel owners and managers have taken that path yes. and have broken out and just said, you know, I know I'm supposed to do this or my parents want me to do that, but I've got this feeling. And I'm going to roll with it. And, uh, you know, more people need to do that, I think. And it would be better off for the industry and better off for, you know, those people who did it as well. Uh, now, so this happened. So how long ago has, did this happen? When did we open up here? We opened in July of 2015. Oh, cool. All right. So we've got a couple of years under. Very well established, running smooth. Very nice. Yes. Yeah, very nice. Uh, we've only been here for about 15 or 20 minutes, but... Just as a, a fellow hostel operator, you can tell you got your shit dialed in. Very nice. <laughs> uh, so now, this is your progression. You had your epiphany. You opened up this hostel, uh, and you're trying to create this unique experience. But tell us if you had any inspirations from other hostels that you may have stayed at over your time. Is there anything that sticks out as your favorite hostel or one that you modeled this after? Absolutely. I had a lot of help from other hostel owners who I reached out to when I was starting this place. First of all, the not so hostel in oh, South Carolina. Thinking, yeah, yeah. I read her book inside uh, an American yeah, hostel. We all did as well. Yeah, yeah. So that book changed my life. Mm -hmm. I recommend it to anybody who wants to start a hostel because it has everything from how to prevent bed bugs in your hostel to yeah. how to deal with work first days to like just basic cleaning schedule or anything, you know? So I, I use her book to make my own procedures manual basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she was great. And then I also reached out to, um, there's two other hostels in the white mountains. Mm -hmm. Actually, there's one over in Conway, called the White Mountains Hostel, okay. and then there's one in Shelburne, New Hampshire, named the Rattle River Hostel. We saw those, yeah. yeah. Yep. So they were both already going, uh, so I spoke, you know, I ended up getting on the same reservation software, Cloudbeds. Oh, as, uh, one of our sponsors. Oh, yeah, yeah Cloudbeds. And what we use as well. Yeah. If we didn't have Cloudbeds, I don't know what we would do. Yeah. We you already <laughs> took care of the blog. I don't even need to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We started out with a with a you know a chalkboard on the yeah. front yeah. like on the back of the lobby handwritten notes, yeah. yeah. Hand notes <laughs> post-its in a chalkboard yeah. guest one here and now it's all you know totally it makes you feel professional yeah yeah, yeah. And, and and that's great and I think it's something to highlight here with uh, Vicky down at the uh, not so hostile we like to call the godmother of hostile yeah as when we got into the business uh you know about 10 years ago there was really nothing as far as literature you know you find you find yourself in this hostile managing job and you're trying to figure out some precedent some guidance and there was only one book you could find and that was hers uh and uh, that's why we're so fond of her and also her willingness to help and in general in the industry it's very different whereas if you open up in other businesses and other industries, you're instantly looked at as competition. Right. Whereas in the hosteling industry, you could call the hostel in the same town and find a friend mm -hmm. and not a competitor. And we're very much in that mindset that when other hostels open by good operators, that's good for the industry. Uh, my only problem is when there's a bad hostel or it's operated poorly because that only reaffirms some of those poor perceptions that are out there. 
uh, by that we're trying to break down with this podcast series. So I think that's awesome that your journey took yourself in that similar way of using the same book uh, and following some of the same uh, mentors, if you will, within the industry. And when you found this place on Zillow, what really stood out or made it unique that caught your eye? It's a kind of a uh, what's the word? Um, it's like the elephant in the room, I guess. It's it was a uh, this property had been on the market for a while because it was a single family. It was being sold as a single family home. Quite large for a single family home. 4,000 yeah. square foot single family home being sold by a guy who'd been there for 30 years, yeah. raised his family. So nobody wanted it. But Families it, aren't that big anymore. Yeah. Families yeah. aren't that big anymore. This place has a gazillion bedrooms mm-hmm. and, um, there was a this house this hostel is actually built in 1890 i felt the old bones of it this yeah. this is actually the hayloft of the old barn oh <laughs> see that's so cool the, the character <laughs> you find in that old architecture is always fantastic yeah you can still see the barn like the bookie's windows in her apartment or the old barn door and everything but um but it was actually in the deed when we bought the place or sorry it was in the original deed for this building that it could become an inn. Oh, wow. that's very convenient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Those, nice. little, yeah those little deeds and paperworks from 100 years ago can really play a big factor in whether or not it's a good spot. But I'll tell you, when I drove up to the establishment, one of my favorite things is to see that it's a home. Because mm-hmm. it gives it that yes. homey feel. And so many hostels, when you get into the 100, 200, 300 bed hostels, it's a wildly different experience. And one of our goals on this uh podcast series is to highlight more of the boutique operations that give you that authentic, genuine hostel experience, which makes you feel like you're in a home with yeah. a bunch of family members or friends. That's how I describe it when guests call me who say, I've never stayed at a hostel before. I don't know what to expect. And I say, it's a big old farmhouse. The bathrooms are just like your bathrooms in your house at mm-hmm. home. There's hand towels in the bathrooms. There's you know, a garden out back with veggies growing in it and, you know, a fire pit. It's just a regular old home. And when people come here, they see all the, like, board games and the communal kitchen. And we've had so many – we've had people, you know, have form long-term relationships yeah, that have come yeah, out of this place. We've had, yeah, you know, yeah. we've had, like – People go off on hikes through hikes together after this or just whatever. It's been really f- – and I have I have developed lifelong friends. Yes. This, yeah. Know. Now, in your endeavor of creating this experience and the day-to-day challenge yeah. of running a hostel, because a lot of times people think it's just a fun party, but it really is a challenging job to please all of these different walks of life under one roof and create a, a situation of harmony amongst all these different characters – uh, and so it's a quite a, a balancing act of some theatrics, as I always say. But is there an overall or underlying mission to this uh, hostel or objective or mission statement? Ours, for example, at ITH is spreading peace through knowledge of culture, because we love to see all the different cultures get together and break down those barriers. Is there anything here that kind of is an underlying motive that keeps you driving on a day-to-day? Well, our motto is welcome to base camp. That's awesome. I like that. So, so I yeah. think our, our goal here is to provide a base camp for White Mountains Adventures because Adventure. basically anyone staying at our hostel is here because they want to be in the mountains. They want to go climbing. Makes they want to go 
kayaking, they want to go hiking, they want to go skiing, whatever it is. And mm. if and honestly, if you're here and you're not doing any of those things, I'm kind of asking, like, so why Red are you flag. here? Red yeah. flag. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, you're yeah. just here to Species. hang out and yeah. <laughs> asking me about my weekly rate, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah the red flags that come out. <laughs> Your caller ID is from my town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the little things. That... <laughs> but it's, it's, it's geared towards travelers, and yes. that's, you know. That's the model. That's what it's made for. Yeah. yeah. So here we have, you know, we have a lot of um, amenities here for people who are um, on the go. Like we've got, you know, bike pumps. We have glue. We've got mm -hmm. toolkits for fixing your poles. We've got, you know, all these different things that people need when they show up, you know, after hiking 2,000 miles to get here. Or even just, you know, people that are ready to come drive up and backpack for the weekend. And people don't necessarily always know when they come, like what stuff they need for their hike sure. and all that. So I've found that our job has been in addition to just, you know, checking people in and doing the, here's your bed. The next question we always get asked is like, so I'm thinking about doing this. I'm thinking about hiking Mount Washington tomorrow. <laughs> are, oh, are these flip flops? Okay. You know? <laughs> so like, the base camp element of it, I guess, is like we are trying to provide a, a safe haven where travelers can come. They can learn about what they're trying to do before they do it. We always have other hikers here. So a lot of times I'll hear like one guest giving another guest advice about their day the next day. And, you know, that is an awesome way to put it. You know, and you're providing that prepar preparation at the front side. And I'm sure you're providing the recuperation on the back side of it when they yep. come in after they've done the hike. Then we have the shower, the yeah. hot coffee. Uh, the, yeah. Everything you don't have out on that trail. The foam roller. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there's nothing, you know, more uh, comforting to come back after a hike like that. I know we have the same experience with Big Bear, and they get to those front steps, and they can smell the coffee or a yes. cooked meal, and they're just oh, so happy to be there. But this is great. So we are climbing the mountain from base camp of Serena. We'll be right back after this short break in episode number six of Hostel Road Trip. Hey, James, I have a question for you now. How can you be here on the road with us recording all these podcasts away from your six properties? It's easy. I rely on CloudBets as my wingman. They all want property management suite to help grow my reservations and keep guests happy. With CloudBed software, I have one place where I can see everything going on with my businesses, from daily check-ins to comprehensive reports. And how does your staff like it? My staff loves it too, because it's incredibly easy to use. It automates a lot of their daily tasks. This means we all get to focus on the most important thing, our guest experience. Cool, and how can a hostel owner get started? Our friends at CloudBeds are offering a $50 credit to Hostel Road Trip podcast listeners. Just visit cloudbeds.com forward slash road trip Again, go to cloudbeds.com forward slash R-O-A-D-T-R-I-P and see why tens of thousands of properties trust Cloudbeds to power over 700,000 beds worldwide. Welcome back to Hostel Road Trip. We are here in North Woodstock, New Hampshire at the Notch Hostel with Serena, owner, founder, manager, spiritual advisor, of the operation, <laughs> and we're here to just dive into our next category of trending topics within the hostel industry, and one of the uh, repeat topics we've had come about in different episodes is 
How do you keep the energy and the experience of the hostel safe, secure, and authentic by making sure you have the right guests for the right model? And uh, we've heard from several stories in different episodes how one bad apple can spoil the bunch once they're inside and how uh, the actual perception or the stigma that we're trying to overcome in the hostel industry a lot of times is unfortunately branded by that one or two bad apples and not by everyone else in-house given the experience. But how would you say you've been able to avoid those issues as a hostel operator through what some call filtering, some call screening, uh, but you had mentioned in our little coffee break that you had some good tactics to handle this before they even get here, which is the most awkward part. And then even more importantly, before they get inside, which is the more difficult part, getting them out once they're already in. So you mentioned a little bit about phone screening tactics. Please enlighten our listeners. Yeah, I think that the key is to remember that when you're running a hostel, the guests that you want to attract are travelers yes. that's and and they're you typically here for a reason mm-hmm. um as opposed to for example it's it's not the our target audience is not you know low income housing in the community yes. for example and Which when the we price point sometimes makes you look like and yeah. honestly when we first started we were contacted by a lot of people in our community to kind of find out if we were a low income housing yeah. thing and mm-hmm. several people were like hey my cousin's kind of looking for a two months stay, you know, we had a lot of stuff like that. So what I've started to do is when I get a phone call with an inquiry, um, especially if it's just a little confusing as to like who they are or why they're, why they're making reservation. I just always start by saying, where are you coming from? And right off the bat, if, if, they can't answer that question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's an easy, if you stumble on that one, that's a red flag. <laughs> and I've always say we want travelers with purpose, not drifters. Yeah. And so there's a big difference. Where are you coming from? What are you planning to do while you're up here? Mm-hmm. What are your objectives? What are you trying to get out of your state? And it's just a casual, as I'm pulling up the computer and getting yeah. the reservation, I'm just like, oh, so are you got any hikes planned, whatever. Mm-hmm. And usually if there's a drama or something going on in their life, they'll start to enlighten me about that at that point, and then I can quickly be like, oh, okay, well, I'm not sure if this is quite the right spot. We have limitations on our length of stay, so mm-hmm. another thing is to have ready for your employees to say, actually, we don't um, allow longer than, like, a two-week stay, 14 so days. 14 yeah. days, you know, or, mm-hmm. um, you know, you I have a, a, at one point had to go so far as to just say, unfortunately, this isn't for locals. Yeah, yeah. For, like, unfortunately, we don't accept locals, you yeah. know. It's always nice to, we always like to inform our staff of alternatives for those people. Yes. You know, it's so much easier to say, hey, this isn't the right spot, but you got to go check out yes. this so yes. wherever, you know, yes. and then they, you know, they're on their way pretty easily. That's a very good point, Bob, because I mean, it, it's not that I don't believe in low-income housing. Of and course. I, and I fully support it. And so they, a lot yeah. of times you get berated on the phone by that person. They're calling you harsh names and nasty accusations. And it's actually quite the opposite, but it's just trying to provide real expectations that this is a, a business model that wasn't made to cater to you and what you need right now. And there are models that are made to cater to you. I mean, low income or not, it's mm-hmm. really just more about the fact that it's we're set up for 
temporary visitors mm-hmm. and not set up for long-term stays. Or I mean, relocators. Yeah. Right. We yeah. don't have, like, luck. You don't you don't have enough space to store your whole, like, yeah. apartment. Mm-hmm. In yeah. <laughs> and I always say that to receptionists. <laughs> if, if you do, if you don't have the opportunity on the phone, another good red flag is a you want to see a backpack on that bag, not 17 <laughs> rolling suitcases. Like, where are you going? And where do you think you're going to put all this stuff? You know, it's such a true thing. But, you know, it's like that element. I always say you're trying to ask for ice cream at a pizza shop. I just don't have it. You know, I, I'm not going to be able to give you what you need and want. Uh, I mean, but the other thing, too, is always, if, if you're a big enough operation, always just require a credit card to yep. make the reservation. Another good filter right there that can uh, easily weed out a lot of the problematic people. That and their credit card, yeah. not somebody else's credit card. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ask for the name on the yeah. card yeah. and then authorize it for 50 cents yeah. to make sure it works. But I, yeah, those are, those are some common reflections. Another one I always get is that when it's the mother calling for the son, can I put my son in there? Why don't you want your son staying with you? You know, these are <laughs> <laughs> why do I want him? You're right down the street. You know, <laughs> this is a problem. So I think that's a, you know some very good advice for some listeners out there in the industry. But now you had mentioned during our little tea break that Uber and Lyft had just come into the town, which we kind of like to make a comparison here of the shared economy immersion. And uh, the millennials that have embraced all these companies like Lyft, Uber, Cardigo, Airbnb. And uh, so many times when we hear from people that we talk to in this process and in our own walks of hosteling, when the, you know, the American millennial will say, well, I've heard of them, but I don't want to try it. I don't want to sleep with a stranger in the same room. Well, you're willing to get in a car with a stranger, drive around. That one-on-one situation that guy has you in the car is a lot more dangerous than you being in a six-bed dorm, because you might have you know one bad apple in there and four good apples to, to work out the number <laughs> situation here. I'd rather have that than be alone in the car with someone. <laughs> so I think that shared economy uh, explosion is a great time to also expose this experience to that same demographic and get them to make the leap, try it out, because as we've experienced, once they do try it, they love it. Nine out of ten times, and you get those people that are, um, you know, I'm never going to try a, a hotel again. I'm staying in hostels. Now, in your time here over the past couple of years, have you s- seen an increase in the American demographic of guests? Stayed the same? Decreased? What do you think? Wait, I'm confused. Like Americans, about the have you having more American guests? Oh, as opposed to foreigners. Yeah, have you seen a movement at all in the past couple of years, or a trend, or is it just staying the same, or? Uh, that's something we're trying to figure out as we're on the road, as we've experienced in our hostels where it, when we started managing at USA Hostels, uh, you know, they didn't even take Americans. You know, you, you uh-huh. had to be international. And then uh, it started to slowly get more condensed where you had to be out of state and then out of county and then out of the city. You know, So it got smaller and smaller while trying to attract more Americans. What would you say your breakdown is in here? Well, um, I would say... Actually, I'd like to look at the specific numbers. We certainly get a lot of international guests as well, but the majority of people that stay here are American. That's and great. and And honestly, I would say that most of the people that stay with us, mm-hmm. it is their first time staying at a hostel. Awesome. So you're popping cherries. Now. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, like, I mean, a lot of people say that when they sit down to check in, they're like, or when they call, they're like, this is my first time ever doing this. Mm -hmm. We are so popular within the 
local hiking community here that, and there's a lot of AMC groups and things that will book trips here. So a lot of times like someone will be signed up for a hiking trip and then the hiking leader will say, Hey, everyone's staying at the notch hostel. And then that person who's never stayed or heard of a hostel before is suddenly making a reservation at my place. So I think because we've found such a strong support in our local hiking community, now that has has just snowballed into like everybody in the Northeast now is like thinking about hostels. And there's one in Gorham that, mm-hmm. I mean, the Shelburne one, like a lot of our guests started going over there because we started promoting them. And, Great. You know, yeah. And now people are like hostels are now their go to hiking thing in the whites instead of just some random sort of back of your head. A lot of people will sleep in their car when they come up here. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And, and that's such a good point. And I, I it's so great to hear that you have more Americans. We experienced that in our Big Bear Mountain location, which is on the Pacific Crest Trail we were talking about before. And that was so exciting for us to see during that PCT season that majority of these people were. American hikers that were trying out the hostel for the first time and then we'd be able to convince them to go try out our hostels in San Diego when you go down to LA or you know and that was just a very exciting uh, opportunity for us to have now when you do get these first timers that come through these Americans that's kind of who we're trying to uh, highlight during this podcast series do you get any of those hesitate you know that they're hesitant to try it out their perception is kind of one foot in, one foot out, they're a little uh, maybe uh, nervous about the experience. Do you find that you get that, or do you find that they're just ready and excited and ready to try it out? Um, it's definitely a, a combination okay. of both, but it's pretty when, – when somebody does come in and they seem nervous, or usually they, they'll say, hey, this is my first time, yeah. the – what I try to do is just take a little extra time to basically tour them through the entire house. Ease them into it. I, you know, rather than just giving them like a slip, here's your, here's your room. I walk them through the whole house. I show them, Hey, here's our communal living room. This is how this works. Like, here's where you put your food you label it. And then, you know, it doesn't get eaten or (laughs) just, just, you know, when you leave, you strip your sheets and what, and we have all these little sort of procedures. And I think once people learn that and feel like, okay, there's a system here, you know, I know that quiet hours are going to start at 10, like, that's stuff like that, good, yeah. you know. A good a good check-in tour. Yeah. Check-in tour can make somebody can make or break someone's Absolutely. experience. And for listeners out there, both on the hostel management side and on the backpacking side, if you find yourself in that situation where it's their first time, uh, definitely take the time to give that tour, as it can really ease their anxiety and allow them to have an entirely different experience if they have that comfort thorough tour up front, and that's our opportunity to capture another guest from the industry or lose one if it's not properly executed. And then from the backpacker standpoint, never be afraid to voice that it is your first time and that you need a little more time, a little more guidance on how this works and how, how you can have a good time and a good experience because there's no shame in that and you'll find that hostel managers, nine out of ten times, are going to be over willing to give you that tour. And I would say two more tips mm-hmm. on that would be have a welcome sheet Absolutely. written up and mm-hmm. laminated, multiple copies. So anytime we get a new person, mm-hmm. 
I'm like, welcome to the hostel. Here's a welcome sheet. You can keep this with you during your stay. It has all the stuff that I'm going to tell them on the tour. Because when you first arrive and you've been driving for five hours, you might forget, like, oh, yes. where the laundry is. Too much information at the same time. Too yes. much information. Towels, yeah. showers, yeah. bed, Overwhelming. Like, yeah. everything. Yeah. There's people. It's, it's way different than just, like, here's your hotel room. You yeah. Know? yeah. So we have it all written down. Hand on the sheet. They read it later, too. Mm-hmm. And then on top of it, the other tip is um, label your cupboards label the light switches like, like not children in a, are around yeah <laughs> not in like a rules kind of labeling yeah. way but just in a making our what we've tried to do with the labels is make our hostel a self-serve operation so people can come in mm-hmm. see the kitchen see all the labels on the drawers and be like okay i know how to use this kitchen now i can use this kitchen and feel like i'm at home yeah instead of like seeing a kitchen with no sign anywhere it's like do I, am i allowed to cook yeah, in here yeah, is yeah. this food this you thing, know? Yeah. Like, i think this is a cool thing that you're doing when you tell them that your procedures <laughs> i think people go like oh wait wait, wait. there are procedures mm-hmm. yeah it is organized mm-hmm. there are systems yeah like you come yeah yeah, I'm safe. Safe. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, like, like americans also they like love it they because love they're it. not Again, it's for people who aren't used to this. Yeah, we not. get people from Canada here all the time too, and a lot of them are much more familiar. Oh with yeah, you hand them a key and they're good to go. They're just yeah, like, yeah, all yeah. right, I'll be cooking upstairs all night yeah, yeah. and sharing my food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're helping you flip beds all of a sudden <laughs> because they're just so used to everything. Yeah. So, but that is what's so important. What we're trying to highlight in this is that we operate an industry which you know Europeans, Australians. South Americans, they're all very comfortable and in, in they're all very used to doing this. This is a, a common way of travel for all of them. Whereas we're breaking into a new market here with the American and specific with that millennial demographic. So we've got to kind of hold their hand during that first uh, check-in, during their first experience. And I think what you're saying is a perfect example of getting ahead of those uh, guests so that they do have a good experience by having your facility be informative showing them where things are after that check-in even if it's a great check-in it's a lot of information they got the sheet they got a little bit more they got labels they got a little bit more it all helps them feel comforted and like they don't feel like a duck at war yeah it's very important all right well we are continuing to climb the summit here from base camp and we will be back after this short break with serena to talk a little bit more about her operational strategies and what makes your hostel great Welcome back. We are still at the Notch Hostel, elevating towards the summit, looking forward to the climax. And now we're going to talk a bit about operational strategies and what makes this hostel so awesome to the point where it was the fifth ranked hostel on the entire AT Trail in only its third year of operation. Congratulations there, Serena. But just uh, talk a little bit more about your operational elements within here. You know, you've got your standard hostel breakfast with your pancakes, coffee, tea, things like that. And while you don't have a sanctioned or set up uh, dinner uh, in your kitchen, you do have a fully equipped, stocked kitchen that would allow your guests to cook a meal for themselves. And tell us a little bit how that sets them up to have a cool night. Yeah, we, we opted to go with 
more of a self-serve meal style for our hostel, but instead provide just a really large, well-equipped kitchen, again, with labels so people know how to use it. Mm -hmm. And as a result, just kind of organically, I think uh, it's encouraged people to cook a lot awesome. here. I mean, we've had Thanksgiving dinners uh, here. We've had, a good holiday. Thanksgiving hostel dinner. you know, yeah. we've had family reunions here. Mm. We've had, you know, just impromptu. The best though is just the group of like, you know, random people that get together and one person has a salad and then other person's cooking mm -hmm. this and, mm -hmm. you know, just organically we end up having meals around the dining room or around the picnic table, you know, on a pretty regular basis, you yeah. know, several times a week. I get a lot of free meals out of it. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes, they're yeah. always, yeah. always offering yeah. something, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that, you know, it's, it's so important to know that in a hostel, the kitchen, like in many homes, is the, the heartbeat or the, or the center of energy yes, of is. the home. And, you know, we do um, a meal service that's more set up and structured at our hostels. And it's great to see everyone break bread together. But we do miss that element that you're talking about where you kind of have the authentic world kitchen create because you have all these different cultures, ages, walks of life and different cooking experiences and palates. Mm -hmm. So they can get in there and they can whip up some of the best meals and especially around the holidays, you know, you mentioned Thanksgiving. You know, we have such a blast. I dress up as a pilgrim. <laughs> I try to get Eric to dress up as an Indian, but he won't do it. <laughs> it's good times. It's good times. Yeah, so we can have so much uh, fun just through the simple meal. Yes. You know, people would be like, oh, it's just dinner. It's not just dinner. It's, it's not just dinner. It's it's breaking down of cultural barriers. It's uh, spreading peace and knowledge of culture, as we say. You know, it's such a cool thing to watch. and. A simple thing to set up if you have a well-stocked, equipped kitchen that they can execute this meal in. So for all uh, both sides of the hostel industry people and backpackers themselves, look to that kitchen as a, a force of uh, and a presence of that social orgasm. We always talk about of how to meet people and get to know everyone in the house. It's also a way to keep your budget low when you're first starting up. If you like, I would love to offer, uh, you know, an organic home cooked meal sure, three times a day, sure. obviously. Yeah. But when I first started, I was just me running it, and I knew there was no way I'd be mm -hmm. able to make the food too. So that was my solution: was how do I still have well-fed guests? Yeah. And we also have a freezer with pizza and ice cream. Oh, so some accessory you know, extras. Emergency right. pizza um, and ice cream yeah, is that really. Can save the day. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, a couple of days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, an unhappy guest can become a happy guest very quickly. Especially if they don't have a car and that's yeah. their only meal for the night, and they're just so happy that there's something to eat. You know. Yeah. Mm. Now, small things. Did I see a garden outside when we pulled up? Pretty good size one. Now, is that stuff that you grow for any of the meals, or is that just for yourself? How does that work? That is the hostel garden. Oh, it is. Wow. Definitely, I use it for myself probably the most, mm. but then it's always, I'm always like encouraging guests to go out and pick their own. Um, there's, er, there's, That's there's, awesome. Yeah, there's so you a, let them dive into that. Too. There's there's a, a excessive amount of herbs in there, especially because I find people are mm -hmm. enjoy to just go out and get a few herbs for their meal. And on top of it, it's, it's a lot of work, so we 
are always looking. We have a lot of work first days here that almost like one every single day. Okay. And um, old school, so you can sign up for some chores. You sign up for chores. Yeah. That bitch, and I like that. Mostly yeah. the through hikers do it, and yeah. you know, in through hiker season, we have one hiker a day, and one of the primary work first day jobs is weeding the garden. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's a community effort, and mm-hmm. it's fun. I have, you know, Mister. Whatever is telling you know some crazy hiker social was like convinced me to get fish fertilizer and then all my tomatoes grew. There you go. This other guy told me to cut elephant grass out of my yard and use it as as weed suppressant and it worked. And these are just people that are from all over the country, all over Mm -hmm. the world that just come here and give me a little like, hey, you know, you should hill those potatoes now. That's such a true and good point there that you have this incubator of people coming in from all over the world and they have all these trade secrets they can give you. Yeah. And if you just keep your ears open, you can really get so much knowledge just on a day-to-day basis of doing your job and running a hostel because the world is coming to you every day. Yeah. And you're really, and that's so much of, you know, hostel managers enjoy about the job is that you, you might not even travel, but you feel like you travel the world because you've talked to everyone from all over places. Working with the work first days has been hugely fun and Mm -hmm. and impactful for me and I know it has been for all of them you know it's just a hundred percent win-win mutually beneficial you don't always see that nowadays where both sides are happy yeah they really bring in that nice homey vibe when they're there helping out and you know they're on the road it's uh, fun yeah now with this emergence of so many different cultures and ages demographics coming in what are some of your uh, operational strategies that you do to keep the environment safe, secure, and clean so that everyone can enjoy Because one of the stigmas and one of the barriers we're trying to break down with this uh, podcast series is making people feel comfortable that in this shared environment, you will be sharing bathrooms, you will be sharing the kitchen, you'll be sharing common spaces, you'll be sharing bedrooms together. How do you make them feel secure, safe, and clean? Well, I think it's looking at who is com- what types of people are coming to your hostel and what their needs are. Mm-hmm. So, for example, with our hostel, we have this huge group, this huge clientele base that that is people hiking on foot or also cycling. Mm-hmm. So they're they they don't have a car and they're on a long distance uh, trip. So. What we have done to try, so when when you get somebody coming off the AT that's like super smelly, uh, super sweaty, yeah, yeah, their backpack smells really bad, Horrible. and yeah. <laughs> they also have a lot of like immediate needs and stuff that are very different than like a guest just driving up from Boston for the weekend. So what we've set up is basically a decontamination system. Smells. <laughs> <laughs> we have a pack shed out back that's great so when we pick the hikers up they all unload from the shuttle and hobble over to the gear shed Uh, they drop all the stinky stuff out there this is a great idea so packs sleeping bags shoes we've got loner flip-flops we have a free laundry service we have free guest loner clothes that they can put on while they're getting their shower and we also require that if you've been out 
exercising and smell like ass when you yeah. get in that you need to take a shower immediately. This is brilliant. <laughs> I, 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 I'm taking notes for myself right now for our Big Bear location. That's a, a great way of being a good operator, getting ahead of the situation and being real about it. You're like, hey, buddy, you've been on the trail for 10 days. You stink. You're going to be staying in a six-bed dorm with five other people who aren't hiking. Go back into the mud room or, or the shed and get yourself into all these venues, but I love that you provide these creature comforts. Yeah, the, the sandals, loner clothes. The loner the sandals, clothes. Right? Yeah, because that, the, what do I put on? Yeah. What do I, here you go, man. You know, this is what you put on. And the laundry service is free because yeah. I didn't want to have anyone say, I don't have money to do laundry, so mm-hmm. I'm not going to. That's I'm like, yeah. no, 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 I got it. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I got so this one's on Serena. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. I like it. And it's included in the price. Yeah, yeah. That's you know, That's great examples out there for you. Uh, Hostel operators on the hiking trails that you can get ahead of the stench. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We are at the summit and we are coming back down to base camp. We have one more category to go over with the lovely Serena. We'll be back right after this sponsor announcement. Hey, James, I have a question for you now. How can you be here on the road with us recording all these podcasts away from your six properties? It's easy. I rely on CloudBets as my wingman. They all want property management suite to help grow my reservations and keep guests happy. With CloudBets software, I have one place where I can see everything going on with my businesses, from daily check-ins to comprehensive reporting. And how does your staff like it? My staff loves it too, because it's incredibly easy to use. It automates a lot of their daily tasks. This means we all get to focus on the most important thing, our guest experience. Cool. And how can a hostel owner get started? Our friends at CloudBeds are offering a $50 credit to Hostel Road Trip podcast listeners. Just visit cloudbeds.com forward slash road trip. Again, go to cloudbeds.com forward slash R-O-A-D-T-R-I-P and see why tens of thousands of properties trust CloudBeds to power over 700,000 beds worldwide. Welcome back to Hostel Road Trip. We are in North Woodstock at the Notch Hostel. The lovely Serena, she has given us a full view of the experience up here. We've talked a bit about the Through Hikers, her highly ranked award-winning top five placement this year for the AT Hikers. Now we want to chat a little bit more about the guest experience, more in a micro-focus of a special event or a daily experience. And, you know, just in our little tea break, you had mentioned a bit about the collusion with the other local hostels in this cycling event. Please tell us more. We, this year, uh, recently began a, the first ever tri-hostel bike tour. Awesome. That we know of. And I created this with two other hostels in the White Mountains, all of which, all of us are 50 miles apart from each other with scenic byways between us. <laughs> so, I mean, everyone's heard of the Kangamangas Highway. That's uh-huh. that's one leg of our trip, awesome. is biking from my hostel, which is on the western end, to the White Mountains Hostel, which is on the eastern end. Gotcha. And it's, you know, just a gorgeous, gorgeous three-day ride that you can do not only for the sake of the biking, but also to experience the different hostels. Um, we just had someone complete it this week who, again, I don't think they'd ever stayed at a hostel before doing this trip. They did it with a friend, and 
the cycling itself, he said, was great. But what he was raving about was all the people he met at every hostel every night and all the uh, different culture of each hostel and how, mm. you know, seeing the three different types, yeah. even just in this one area. Yes. And so I just, I think it was, that's what we're hoping is to create more than just a bike tour, but more of an entire experience. Like you get shuttled out to dinner as part of it. Nice. And, you know, you you have um, an opportunity to participate in the social media about it. And uh, it's been a really fun way to work with the other hostels on a different level. Yeah. And also to just put it right out there. Like, yeah, we are collaborating. Yeah. Because so many people ask me, oh, is that your competition? I'm like, mm -hmm. nope. I call them all the time to yeah. refer people and that's how we got to do it because yeah. we are an hour's drive from each other, which is a little close. You yeah, know? no, no, but you're, but you're not competition, you're comrades. And mm -hmm. we have, uh, you know, in our city of San Diego, there's upwards of 15 hostels and uh, we work closely and intimately with hostels that are, you know, a couple miles down the road just because more good hostels in the industry is better for the industry. Every hostel is so unique, you yes. know, because it's really made up of the hosts who run mm -hmm. the hostel. You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. each so one has its own identity, energy. So true. Yeah. Is that event, is that something uh, once a year or is it an Actually, ongoing thing? Actually, it is a, the tour can be done at any time right now. We're thinking this was our first year launching it. So it was on a trial basis, gave a lot of free stays away as an opportunity to just get people out there, get them biking the route, get the data. We've got Strava GPS tracks that we're going to upload to mm -hmm. um, the website. And then um, we're hoping to put out some actual event tours for people who'd want to do it as part of a group, but maybe don't have a partner or something. Um, cool. Right now we're going to do a, a big blast about it for foliage fall for fall uh, foliage so which is coming up here, yes this is fall foliage in this area is one of the biggest attractions i'd say mm -hmm. um in the white mountains is the fall foliage and so we get people biking hiking walking doesn't matter what kind of sport just yeah. you know taking pictures and the bike tour is a really cool way to experience that what, yeah. is, what is the peak month for fall foliage in this region, would you say? Uh, October, yeah. yeah, yeah. Late September and October. Is, you know, I mean, I just was driving down yesterday and saw a little tinge of One leaf orange, turning, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it comes. But it's so beautiful, though. Columbus Day weekend is always really busy for us, and then after that, it kind of... There for winter. Yeah. Yeah. Moving to get the slow season. Now we've talked about cycling, we've talked about hiking, but as we were driving in, I noticed just a, a couple hundred yards down the road, it seemed like that was actually like the village downtown. So if I were to uh, be a guest who woke up one day and you know I just find this huge bunion on my foot, right. I can't go for a hike, I can't go cycling. What could I get myself into around here? There's a ton in the area. I just wrote a blog post, you know. What to do on a rainy day? In there the you go. Yeah, yeah. Got all these plans to go on this big trip and see the Flume Gorge, and now mm -hmm. it's pouring. Mm -hmm. There's, first of all, there are a ton of great breweries in New Hampshire. Oh, outstanding! <laughs> there's brewery tours. There's a brewery like a within walking distance of our house. There's another one two miles down. There's you know so 
Rotary tours around here are really fun. It's it's a new thing. You know, it's the exploding culture of, of mm. craft beer. In it this really area. is. In the, in the whole U.S., yeah. little pockets are just blowing up. Well, yeah. New Hampshire is right there with them. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, right up there with Oregon and uh, California, I'd say, in the forefront of that. They're, they're having fun. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of great beer uh, exploration, but also this area in general has some of the most scenic highways mm. in the Northeast, you know, drive, I've, you know, often have helped guests create little road trip tours, like a day road trip where you go visit. Um, there's lots of different attractions that are within, uh, that are accessible by the road in this area. So you can easily spend a whole day just driving through different notches and going over to North Conway and go shopping and check out the, you know, Used gear exchange. That's for right. Example. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. so. There is there is so much more to do than just the hiking aspect, and I think that's so important to highlight about this location. All right. Well, what an amazing time it's been. I mean, I feel like we've reached the summit. We've had our climax, and you've safely returned us back to base camp. <laughs> and here we are. And just wanted to thank you so much for hosting us at your fantastic location, and I would encourage all of the audience listeners to keep this one on your map, because whether you're on the trail or not, it is going to be a good experience for you. Thank you so much, Eric Faria from World Packers. Thank you, guys. Always a pleasure. And the handsome Bobby Dyer from ITH Hostels. Had a lot of fun today with you guys. Delilah on security with Mr. Greenpeace Bellini. <laughs> Best in the business. All right. Well, thanks so much. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Marina. Absolute pleasure. And we are off to Vermont next to highlight some of their hidden gems within the U.S. hostel industry. So stay tuned for that episode. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Hostel Road Trip Podcast. You can check out our previous episodes on hostelroadtrip.com, SoundCloud, or iTunes. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and listen every week for new episodes. Stay tuned.